Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Dr. Weir, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. Tired of turning away from the things that I want to believe in. This is going to get pretty interesting. Find interesting. God of God, we're all going to die. Only try to realize the truth. There is no screw. We are peace. Always. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 72, and we're your hosts here on the diner tonight. I'm one of them. My name is Scott Herzog. And I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we will be showing you around the diner tonight, letting you know what's on the menu, what you can sink your teeth into in the sci-fi world. And uh, we have some really good news. I'm excited about this. And a real great interview we have coming up, Miles. We do. I enjoyed it. And uh, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're eagerly anticipating what's going to be coming up this fall season because there's a lot of good sci-fi shows we have returning. Yeah, I, there's there's some shows I've missed for a while, and so it'll, it'll be nice to have them back. It'll be good to have uh, what Fringe back and Fringe, uh, Stargate Universe, uh, Sanctuary will be back and uh, OV. Yes, mm-hmm. unfortunately, no flash forward, but yeah, but uh, yeah, so be it. Um, that brings us in. We have a listener question that I just want to put out there, and we're hoping to discuss this on the next episode. The shows that are going to be coming up. Um, this fall season, and what we're looking forward to. And the question that I have for you guys, you listeners out there, you guys that are coming into the diner each week, is what genre TV shows are you really looking forward to returning this fall? Please let us know. We know that some of you have done this already on our Facebook fan page, Mm -hmm. and please come visit the Facebook fan page. We're almost at 100. We'll get our unique URL then, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, you'll be able to, um, you know, Go to it uh, there. Leave your answers there. Contact us on Twitter. Let us know what you are indeed into, what you're excited about. Yes, we're up to 98 fans on the Facebook fan page. We only need two more to get our 100. So uh, uh, please, uh, if you haven't joined our our, our fan page yet, uh, please do so. Please like us. Yes. It, it makes us feel good. It, it does. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a question, Mr. Question. And again, you can leave a note on Facebook. You can Twitter us, Sci-Fi Diner, uh, Herzog, or Son of Wharf. Mm-hmm. And you can also email us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want, call in your answer. Let it. We love to get phone calls, and we like to play them on the show, or you can send it by MP3 as well. But if you want to call us, we have a toll-free number if you're in the U.S. It's 1-888-508-4343, and we'll play those questions. Well, let's um, let's get into our menu. Let's tell people what they can expect. You know, on the menu tonight here in the diner, and we have a packed menu. Uh, first of all, we have, of course, a Tori Higginson interview. Mm-hmm. What a sweet lady, Miles. She was very nice, uh, but I think she was a little jealous of your uh, your third generation. Yeah, she's, I, I got sworn at. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, she cussed at me because of my iPhone 4. 
Right, but yeah. but that that's uh, that's saying something. Yeah, you know, I cussed out at Tori Higginson. I mean, not many people in the world can say that. Probably not. Well, maybe that maybe the people she works with, but but, but fan <laughs> as a fan, you got cussed out by her. That's, that's <laughs> I know that's pretty cool. I, I will not repeat on no. air what she said. We try to keep things family friendly here. <laughs> we try. We don't always succeed, but we try. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have in line with that. We have some Stargate trivia. The prize is not Stargate related, unfortunately, but we do have a good prize. We're going to be giving we're away with Stargate. Prize. Trivia, uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry's birthday, we're going to talk about that. Well, in line of that, we're going to be talking about the 10 most controversial Star Trek episodes. Eureka and Warehouse 13 will be putting out holiday episodes. We haven't done, seen a lot of this in the U.S., but they are going to be putting out some holiday episodes. It sounds like they're extra episodes we're being thrown, uh, you know, a bone for I, this year. It makes me a little cautious, but I, I like the writing on Warehouse 13 so much that – I think they'll make it work. And I think Eureka will do the same thing. Here's the thing. When someone says when someone says holiday special, I think of Star Wars. Right. <laughs> that, that's the stinker of all. Uh, uh, it is the stinker of all holiday uh, but, specials. Oh, so we'll uh, uh, my. I've seen it one time. You can watch it on YouTube if you really want to watch that Star mm-hmm. Wars chapter. The only redeeming value is if you see the, uh, Boba Fett for the first time. Right, right. Also, uh, Torchwood, we have uh, some news in Torchwood and their whole new world. Actually, it's not called that. I put it in because it reminds me of The Little Mermaid, uh, which my daughter loves. Uh, Katie Sackhoff uh, and her motorcycle for charity. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Star Wars, the two ways you can watch it that you've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you're going to be looking for it. Um, by the way, didn't put this in the show notes, but they announced they're going to be releasing Star Wars in Blu-ray. Finally. So it hasn't been done yet. So all uh, six episodes. I made them wait a little while for that. No, I, I, yeah, you mean get it a little bit. I mean, I've bought how many Star Wars episodes? I Way know. too many. It, Hayden, Hayden Christensen has some news on him talking about Star Wars. Book of Eli, I just got done watching this movie. I want to talk about it. Had some interaction with some people on Twitter about it. So we're going to chat about that. The twist, Miles is going to share how Pike really wants out of his chair. And then Raduz, I think I'm pronouncing the name right, is going to bring us his biggest 360 episodes in Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Uh Episodes, it's 360 TV shows, I should say, not episodes. So I have that wrong in the notes, but so far. Well, Miles, why don't you take us away by talking about a little bit of uh, listener feedback we got this week. And it's not as much as last week, but that's fine because we had a ton last week. We didn't get into the show to like 20 minutes into it, which is absolutely fine. We love it. We want to get your feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just a little bit different of an episode last week. Absolutely. And we had uh, a guest with us, uh, uh, John Fraze. Yeah, um, awesome. Hi, John. Uh, Hey, John, shout out to you. But on our Facebook fan page, uh, in response to our interview with Dominic Keating, uh, Mike says, great interview, just got uh, just got to catch up on your uh, back catalog now. So I wonder if Mike is a newer listener. Uh, might be, but a back catalog? Yeah, well, a lot of hours to plow through. Yes, you, you, you've, you've got a lot of uh, sci-fi diner listen to, so I uh, hope you right, enjoy it. Right, right, right. Uh, or if he goes back far enough. Mm-hmm. It could be dining at the end of the universe. That's true. That's right. true. But anyways, go ahead. But uh, I, I finally had a chance to post my uh, my, my pictures at uh, uh, Shore Leave, and um, uh, Jay said in response to that, it's just it's making him anxious uh, for uh, Dragon Con in Atlanta. Hey, it's making me anxious for Dragon Con too. I, I wish I was going. I, I wish we I wish we were we could do the conventions more. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that I'm really looking forward to about Dragon Con in Atlanta, even though I'm not going there, is the release of Brown Coats Redemption. Oh, yes. yes. So we've been eagerly talking to uh, people about this. Wow. Some real good stuff that's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. So Maybe we'll have to have uh, Mike Doherty on uh, before mm-hmm. the hand. 
Yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to get them before because it's only a few weeks away. That's true. It's coming up, but but uh, maybe we can talk about it after the fact and find out how it's been kind of received. It'd be a good get a follow point. up. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Miles, why don't you bring us into this week's trivia, and we'll go from there. All right. Um, well, since uh, we uh, spoke with uh, Tori Higgins and Shirley, and uh, we kind of uh, overloaded uh, a lot of you with uh, Star Trek uh, trivia. Which a lot of you didn't mind, obviously. That's true, and, and um, I'm glad for that. But we're going to just shift gears a little. We're going to make it a uh, Stargate Atlantis uh, trivia. And the question is this week, what name is given to the Atlantean vehicle which can move through the Stargates? Ooh, that's a good one. You have to be a Stargate watcher. Yes. Atlantis Stargate watcher. Yes. I know that. Yes. Exactly. And I had to really think about it. Mm. Like when you first said the question, even though I love the show, it's been a long time since I've watched it. Mm-hmm. So, so. And the answer is, you'll have to wait until next week. Yes. But we have a pretty good prize here. Now, it's not Stargate related, but it is uh, Star Trek related. Yes. So maybe we get that in there, even though Miles couldn't ask the question. We're still giving away some Star Trek paraphernalia here. Uh, two prizes regarding the Starship Farragut. And uh, a pretty nice set here that we're giving away. We don't often give away a DVD and a comic book in the same thing. But you want to talk about these a little bit? I would love to. Um uh, Starship Farragut has done um, – they're, they're a fan film group, uh, uh, independent fan film group located in uh, St. Mary's in Georgia. They uh, put out a comic book uh, called uh, Dead, uh, Dearly Departing. They also have, have branched out in doing animated episodes. And so we are going to give away the comic book and the DVD of their first animated episode, um, uh, Starship Farragut Power, uh, Power Source. Yeah, and now, again, we, we talked to these guys about the animated episodes, and if you go back, I don't know what episode it was in February or something like that, mm-hmm. we actually aired uh, where we interviewed these guys, and the animated episode's really good. If you love classic Star Trek animation, right, totally fits right in. You could have put this right alongside that series, and it would have fit right in. Absolutely. It would. It's well done. This is well done animation, and uh, Farragut just does a really good job of capturing the style and the feel of anything classic track. And even in the comic book, the animation from the comic book is taken from the animated mm-hmm. it's done, by, done by the same animator. Right. So, uh, uh, and they got, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but, uh, he was a big producer for filmation. A lot of the, um, uh, animated shows back in the seventies and they got his blessing to, uh, Oh yeah. I should know that off the top of my head and I don't. So, but that we, we interviewed um, Michael Strzok. Uh, he, he talked in length about uh, meeting, meeting this gentleman and getting his uh, blessing for uh, this project. Yeah, absolutely awesome. Now, of course, there are many ways you can get a hold of us to participate in this trivia. You will have one week to answer this trivia. We will try and give you to. I'll try to get this episode out as fast as possible, but that does mean. Oh, maybe we should give them two weeks, Miles, okay. because I think that, uh, you know, I don't get this episode out till Saturday. That gives them like three or four days. So why don't we do this? Uh, two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the date. I think it's going to be like August 30th or 31st. You should have the answer in. I'll have it up in the site, the actual date. But August 30th, 31st, you want to have the answer to this trivia to us at the Sci-Fi Diner, and you can get it to us a bunch of different ways. Any of the Twitter handles I mentioned, mm-hmm. Son of Wharf. Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G, or Sci-Fi Diner, will get the information to us. You can email us at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com, and you can always call us at 1-888-508-4343. Um, don't leave the answer on Facebook because everyone can see it. Right. Yeah, that kind of feeds it. And if you send it to us on Twitter, make sure you DM us. Yeah, so. 
So, you don't want the whole world to see it. Right, right. So, you know, it happens, it happens. You know, we obviously pull out the prize out of a hat. Well, in light of we're talking about Stargate a little bit tonight, even though we don't have a lot of news that direction, we do want to give an, um, some honor to that. And mm-hmm. uh, what a better way to do it than to talk about our first promo. Now, I've listened to the show a while back, but there's a show called The Gatecast that focuses on Stargate. Good. Hence the title of the show. And uh, just heard from a guy named Mike. Uh, hi, Mike, uh, who does the who has listened to our podcast, and uh, they played our promo in the last show. And so we're going to return the love here a little bit and uh, and ask you to check out the show if you are a Stargate fan. And they talk about all things Stargate, and they have a lot of good video clips in their site. I'll put the link in the show notes. Make sure you check out the Gatecast. Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Mike. You like Stargate SG-1? Did you think it was all over? We didn't, and so the Gatecast was born. We are two guys with far too much time on our hands and are exploring the stories of Stargate Command, episode by episode. With commentary about our favourite SG team's adventures. You mean the girly kick-ass team from Atlantis? No. We're talking about Jack O'Neill, Sam Carter, Daniel Jackson and Teok. Make up SG-1 along with Dr. Fraser, Walter and General Hammond Who lead the human race towards new worlds Where people have certainly been before and some a long, long time ago Each week a new episode will be discussed along with news and listener comments So search for Gatecast on iTunes or use your chosen podcatcher Or visit us at gatecast.facecast.com or our Facebook page And join in the fun, we guarantee all comments will be read out Gatecast, by fans, for fans Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is our news portion of the podcast, and we have lots of goodness, a lot of good news coming your way today. And we're going to start out with TV news. Mm -hmm. And by the way, just one blip that I wanted to put out there. Those of you who listen to our show, um, we have two formats. I should have put this earlier on. I'm going to mention it now. We have two formats to release the podcast, an MP3 feed, but also an ACC feed that I think it's called that, um, but it's an enhanced podcast feed that allows you, if you have an iPod, I, iPad, iTouch, or an iPhone, to actually download the episode and see images, and I'll often caption the images that you get a chance to check out. And so some of it's some of it gets pretty funny, and but it gives you another way to kind of engage the show. But so just so you know, there's two formats to do that in. Well, let's get into our news. We start off with TV news. We go into our movie news, and then just one bit of DVD news, and then we end up with the twist here. And that's kind of the format. Mm-hmm. So here's our menu. Well, let's get into our first bit of TV news. And this comes thanks to Dayton Ward. Hi, Dayton. The courtesy of him, he said, uh, today, what's the date today, Miles? It is the 19th. Today, the 19th, would have been Gene Ronberry's 89th birthday. And, of course, he's up floating around in space somewhere. That's true. Uh, him and his wife are, I assume, orbiting the Earth in, 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 but in some, in some kind of satellite or of some kind. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hats off to him. Talk about a guy that has had a huge impact on the science fiction industry. Uh, that is true. I mean, there's really, especially when you look at what, we, we aren't talking about, uh, you know, how it holds up in time or anything like that. But Star Trek itself has had such a huge impact, and it's spawned so many shows that's come out of that. It's spawned shows. It has inspired um, uh, people to um, become astronauts, engineers, um, other related fields. It's also 
just in the in the props and the gadgetry it inspired inventors to try to uh, come close to. It. I mean, many of the many of the things we have today, you can say, you know, might have gotten inspired by Star Trek. Yeah, because there's some really close resemblances mm-hmm. to them. So, so hats off to Eugene, and uh, we're grateful that he was around to kind of bring us the world of Star Trek. And not only did he give us Star Trek, but uh, he did give us some other sci-fi shows. Uh, um, Earth uh, Final Conflict that was back on the 90s and um, an interview that we'll be playing sometime in the near future uh, uh, Andromeda um, the show that Kevin Sorbo was in that th- those were uh, those were Gene Roddenberry productions he, right. he, he wanted to do other, other stuff as well Star Trek yeah, absolutely well so thanks Sam well uh, we're going to do this try to do this real briefly we had a 23 uh, top TV sci-fi shows of all times, and we kind of cut that out of the last show because of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're going to bring you what's considered, and this comes courtesy of Televixen, uh, the 10 most controversial Star Trek episodes. And we're going to go down through these and just talk about them real briefly, maybe not read their captions, mm-hmm. except to maybe get a little bit of background to them. I don't know all these shows, so Miles, I'm deferring to your expertise. And I'm afraid I'll probably know all of them. All of them, yes. <laughs> so this this first one, I know this is number ten, is one of the being one of the most controversial. This is sitting on the edge of forever, and this is controversial for many reasons. It's considered one of the best in Trek history as you look at it. Yes. Uh, but it's man, talk about a show that producers and the writers have gone back and forth about lawsuits for oh years. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, Harlan Ellison penned the original script for it, and it would have had, let's just say, a, a different, darker tone than, um, than than the one that was aired on TV. And um, maybe his hence script, Ellison, but yes, I mean, I mean, Ellison, you know, was probably maybe ahead of his time yeah. when, when he penned this script. But uh, that, unfortunately, that's why a lot there's a lot of controversy is that um, it, it it didn't meet with his satisfaction, and um, we got a different. Uh, Different show, but I, I think the show that they came up with it was still very good. Well, it's considered one of the best again, yeah. classic episodes. So. And I mean, you know, even as recent as two thousand nine, Ellison's been suing over this episode and has gained money from it. Yeah, so uh, uh, probably definitely one of the most controversial. Probably more behind the scenes than anything. Spock's brain. I don't know anything about this episode, but can you tell me a little bit about this episode and why there was controversy about it? This might have been considered one of the. Worst episodes of Star Trek: The Original Series, but it, maybe it's so bad it's good. It's it's, it's even inspired a live stage production uh, in the West Coast. Basically, these aliens um, extract Spock's brain and use it to kind of be like a computer to run the planet. Um, and so they they put this thing on Spock's head to um, bring it um, to bring him down, so they could basically put his brain back in his head. But what what's what what makes this one interesting is if anybody's familiar with the show The Wonder Years, this inspired a um, kind of a parody in a way from The Wonder Years. They reenacted a certain scene. They're dressed up in original series costumes, but not considered one of the best episodes. That yeah, they're saying it's offer. considered the worst episode yeah. in history. But so it's so bad in some ways. It's good. Yeah, you have that. You have that. Right. Uh, maybe a little bit like uh, Starship Troopers. Plato's stepchildren. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about this, but. Uh, why, why was this considered such a controversial episode? Well, this this was the first um, on on TV. I get um, interracial interracial kiss. yeah interracial kiss um, shared between um, Captain Kirk and Uhura. Um, and this is this is the '60s, so this is huge stuff. I mean, now it's it's nothing, but 
this was the first time that anybody can remember this ever happening. Yeah, so it was controversial because, again, it was kind of pushing new barriers. It was pushing I, new I like the fact here they mentioned here in the story that, well, who are they? they did two, two takes, and she flubbed the second take, so they had to use the first one. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a – and that's been one of the uh, groundbreaking episodes, really, but also with a lot of controversy. The next one's Next Generation. It's called Conspiracy, and this is where parasites infect the Federation, threatening to take over. What's the controversy about this one? I'm trying to think – the only thing I can think of is at the end they have to uh, kill a, uh, a Starfleet officer that has like the, um, I guess the main um, the host the host of parasite and it's yeah. it's a bit gruesome for its time it's you know something you would see out of a you know a, almost a slasher flick in a way um, when they when they blow this guy up with the yeah universe. it's pretty it's pretty brutal I remember watching that mm-hmm. seeing it. it's kind of dis- it's disgusting number one and it, yeah. Uh, here it says here the BBC removed it when airing the episode, and the Canadian Sci-Fi Channel still runs it with a warning. So, hmm. uh, about Shades of Grey, this is the Next Generation, and this was aired in 1989, and this is Star Trek's only clip show. Well, this um, I think this might be considered one of the the worst in uh, in TNG. Right. Um, this was uh, this is the last episode for season two, and basically. It, they they to make it work. They recycle a lot of clips from season one, and that's what a lot of the show is. Um, not obviously not TNG's best. No, it's not. In fact, uh, the writer, the co-writer, even called it a POS. Mm. So uh, it, it was uh, definitely not up there. And uh, Paramount said you got to do this show because of budget. We spent too much money on the other episodes mm-hmm. but this was this was a finale it was this was a season finale yeah the, the season two finale season two yeah I, I hated it yeah it's it's definitely one of these favorites and, and so I think after that Star Trek really did next gen really went to town more on their uh, their season finales uh, episodes so they did they definitely did redeem themselves but it's interesting if in, in this day and age if if Say if TNG didn't come back to wasn't back in the '80s but came in the present, I think this would have killed the show. I don't think they would have got a third season if they hmm. uh, because they don't give shows time to develop and improve right like they did back then. Yeah, thankfully they did because it ended up being a really good show. Exactly. The next one, this is now comes in number five. It's called High Ground, and this is another next gen episode. And this is one uh, where they kind of talks about terrorism on a planet, and there's a lot of they're using this alternate war, um, transporter technology that kind of infects body. Mm-hmm. But this actually is controversy concerning the Brits uh, because of something that Data said when he says, oh, Ireland was unified in two, uh, by terrorism in 2024. The, the Irish were a bit sensitive about troubles in Northern Ireland, which were still ongoing. The BBC cut the line when the episode first aired. Yeah, it may, it may not have been the best thing to say. Uh, or go that way, but probably an innocent reference on the writer's part, though I would think. I, I after watching, it, I didn't, I didn't pick up on it. But then again, I, I don't live in Northern Ireland. But I think one thing they really did explore the issue of terrorism. I mean, this show would have worked well today with what's what, what's been going on in the news. Um, another man's terrorist is another man's hero, and they they explored that issue. I thought uh, really well in that episode. Um. Star Trek's not known for ever addressing homosexuality. But, no. but one of the episodes that came close is an episode rejoined by Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. in 1995. And this is infamous for avoiding it. 
the homosexual references, but they do kind of allude to it here. What was the deal with this episode? This was a, this was a, uh, Jadzia Dax and this other true woman. Uh, their hosts, Lenara Khan, I think her name is. Yes, their hosts in a previous life were a married couple. Um, I believe that uh, Jadzia was the her, her host was in, was in a man and the other woman's uh, um, a symbiont was in a um, was, in, was in a female. And one thing that's, that's sort of taboo in trill culture is when, a, after after a symbiont gets put into a new host, they avoid uh, connections. I mean, you do not. It's it's about starting anew, starting on a clean slate, and so. To go back to a previous relationship is, is taboo, and, and it could, you know, be you could be kind of like thrown out of their society. So um, it just so happened that the symbionts were in two uh, two women in, in this life, and thus it results a same sex kiss. And thus the producers get called, and South Africa, I believe, someone. Um, I'm sorry, one TV station in the South removes the scene altogether. Well, Avery Brooks directed this episode, and, and he didn't want to really push the the homosexuality um, issue so much as this was, you know, he, he wanted to make this, you know, a love story uh, and try to push it there. Um, I mean, I'm not giving any, any spoilers away. The two of them decide not to uh, go this route. I mean, we know that Jadzia marries uh, Worf later on. But, uh, yeah, first time it was, I mean, pretty groundbreaking. Yeah. This comes in at number three, and this scene was, this show was cut for violence, was deemed one of the most violent Star Trek episodes to the death, Deep Space Nine, 1996. And most of the controversy said happened before the episode aired. So what's the deal with this episode? Did you, do you remember this episode to the death? I do, but I'm trying to think what, what could have possibly, um, you know, set the sensors off. I mean, well, I bet what it is, what we saw was not was originally there. That's okay. my bet. So here's what here's what the blurb reads: Notable because the most controversy happened before this episode was aired. To the death was the first Star Trek episode ever cut for violence. When the DS9 crew traveled to the planet with the Iconian Gateway, a portal to practically anywhere, they encounter hordes of the vicious Jem'Hal. Hadir, Hadir, a hand-to-hand combat ensues. Originally, 52 Gem Halder were shown getting killed, but this was trimmed to 20, losing 45 seconds of the episode. The BBC censored even further. Fans complained the result felt choppy and disjointed. And so that's that's what they said. So a lot of it you didn't see, right? And and, and towards I mean the end, it was a heavy action scene, uh, yeah. a heavy heavy fight scene. Yeah. And how about uh, number two? Um, and that's what is it, Sun Katsi? Is that the way from Voyager 2000? This came out in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And this is where Seven and Nine is forced to compete with an alien gladiator sport. Among our combatants is an alien champion played by The Rock. To many fans, Sinkatsi was simply an attempt to cash in on the popularity of another UPN show, mm-hmm. WWF SmackDown. That might have been guilty of that. And this was early in Dwayne The Rock Johnson's career as far as him. He even used his own moves in the episode, they said. <laughs> he, he used his own moves and he used, you know, he, what he called the people's eyebrow when he raises his one eyebrow. And, uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's pure rock. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, highest rated episode of the season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't get wrong there. Yeah. Number one, this is uh, comes as number one as being the number one most uh, controversial Star Trek episode. Do you want to tell us about this one? Well, um, this is where we see uh, T'Pol and, and, and Tucker get together. But um, Enterprise really tried to push the envelope with the TNA thing. And I, I, I think um, 
it, it didn't work for them. It, 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 they thought that might bring viewers or keep viewers, and I don't think it did anything for the show at all. Well, you know, Star Trek has been deemed always a more intelligent show, and it's never uh, – and while there's – been some of that there has never been a major premise of the show no, ever and, and 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 that's you know we talked about the the paul character a little bit last week you know maybe just trying to show this attractive woman off as much as possible um and, and i think that's one of the things that hurt enterprise was that's it, it forgot why it, what made it successful was it was intelligent it didn't go to the lowest common denominator to try to uh, either keep or bring viewers yeah yeah well, let's move into uh, some other news. We have some news on Eureka and Warehouse 13, Miles. Very good. Well, Sci-Fi orders holiday episodes of Eureka and Warehouse 13. Sci-Fi is enlisting uh, Judd Hirsch from Taxi, uh, Paul Blackthorne, The Dresden Files, Chris Parnell, Saturday Night Live, and, and Matt uh, uh, Freer to create standalone holiday episodes of Warehouse 13 and Eureka that will air in December. On Warehouse 13, Pete and Michael go on a mission to hunt down a, a malevolent Santa Claus. Meanwhile, time for Hanukkah, Artie and his estranged father, uh, Isidore Weisfeld, reunite after 30 years. Hirsch will, will be, appear as Artie's father, and Blackthorn will play a businessman terrorized by a thief dressed up as St. Nick. On Eureka, as the Global Dynamics employees celebrate the season's uh, company holiday party, staff members Dr. Noah Drummer, played by Chris Parnell, nearly absconds with a volatile experiment. The hull gets seriously decked when uh, Dr. Drummer's unstable hydrogen crystal starts to grow at a frightening rate. Freer, who is an early regular on the series, will return as a character. Uh, the tagger. Yeah, uh, and, the, and the last piece doesn't really have to do with the, ha- the holiday episodes, but we had news that Stan Lee is going to be on Eureka. Eureka so, yeah, so he's so. making appearance too. And so will Will Wheaton. Uh, excellent. So great. So, uh, what do you think about this? We talked about this a little bit late, earlier, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of excited that Warehouse 13 Eureka are doing this. But this is not really a normal thing for shows to do holiday episodes. No, because- uh, the X Files did. Mm-hmm. They would do a Christmas. They'd put out a Christmas episode typically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and many shows, I think, will put it out, but especially sanctioned. I think this is what it is. It's not so much you're doing your show and your show's occurring around the holiday and you do a, some Christmas episodes, mm-hmm. but I think what it is is that these seem to be specially sanctioned episodes. Yeah, they seem to be going out of their way a little more. And, um, and you know, as we said, it brings up the idea of, oh, here's George Lucas doing his thing again. And we know it's not that. No, I don't think it'll be as bad as <laughs> yeah, uh, we uh, We hope not. We hope not. Right. In some other TV news, Torchwood, The New World, uh, we get some new details on that. And so here's basically the long and the short of it. There's a lot we still don't know about Torchwood, The New World. This is season four, I guess. After all, the 10-episode season won't start filming until January, so we have a little bit to go. But Stars released some additional info today as to what we can expect and and about as a yet uncast new character, Rex Matheson. Here's how the stars describes the coming season and the three lead characters. So I'm going to try and recap this a little bit. Um, when CIA agent Rex Matheson investigates global conspiracy, he finds himself unearthing a threat which challenges the entire human race. The answer seems to lie within an old secret British institute known only as Torchwood. But Torchwood was destroyed years ago, and the keys to the Institute are held by its only two survivors, former police officer Gwen Cooper, who has long since disappeared along with her husband and child, and the mysterious Captain Jack Harkness, a man whose history seems to stretch back to centuries. With Rex under attack from all sides, both in the U.S. and the U.K., he soon discovers that there are forces at work within every level of society, <coughs> determined to stop Torchwood's return as a tra- chain of events across the world links together the most 
<coughs> excuse me, the most uh, des- desperate and unlikely individuals, including a surgeon, a killer, senators, and CEOs, a new tortured team takes shape. But this time, the threat is much closer to home, as they realize their greatest enemy is mankind itself. Mm. But it sounds good. That sound good. Sounds, mm-hmm. The premise sounds good, and those of us who are Torchwood watchers... Gives this much is, look forward to. Yeah, and you know, we had rumors that this is going to be a much darker Torchwood. Right. Uh, Children Earth was dark, and Russell T. Davies is saying this is going to be even darker, mm-hmm. darker. And we get a ten episode series, which you know, versus the five, um, uh, I guess, many episodes that we had over the uh, for Children Earth. Mm-hmm. So, hey, I don't know. There were some character descriptions, but I'm not going to read them. I'll put them in the show notes. But they deal with Captain Jack, Gwen Cooper, and Rex Matheson, who's a new actor. Uh, the new character who's – we don't know who's going to play that yet. But I'm excited about Torchwood. Miles, you got to start watching the series sometime. You may have to give it a chance. Yep. And uh, why don't you give us our last piece of TV news, and it's just real brief here. This comes from a listener. Uh, this comes from B. Harden on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Not his real name, but just B. Harden on Twitter kind of sent us this, and this was in response to us airing the Katie Sackhoff interview, which was very short, by the way, as we mentioned earlier. We did hear about this at – and I think she talked about it in the interview. Yeah, she did. She – uh, uh, Katie and her, and her friend um, uh, Trisha Helfer, uh, they are doing a bike ride for charity to raise money for um, uh, the things that are going on on the Gulf Coast. And so she's going to be blogging, uh, I guess, about her ride on her website. Uh, right. It's at uh, uh, com. Yeah, they call themselves the Acting Outlaws. Very cool. Yeah, so it kind of works. And there's pictures of it. Um, and you can find out more about the, the information. They're writing for AMFAR, I believe, is the name of the organization, uh, uh, which does there does some AIDS research that they also ride for. Mm-hmm. But they also do it then for the golf course, and they just they love their cycles. That's just that's just it. They love their cycles. They love their cycles. Well, let's get into uh, let's switch gears. Let's talk about some movies. And this isn't really movies per se, but stuff that's inspired by movies. And the first bit is we have two Star Wars stories. And the first one is called the greatest fan made Star Wars project ever finished. The announcement of those Star Wars Blu-rays was awesome. We talked about that briefly, but there's something even more awesome. The crowdsourced project we told you about last year in which fans were asked to recreate the complete Star Wars story in 15-second bits is done. And believe us, you'll want to watch it now. Casey Puh had a killer idea. Have fans claim 15-second sections of Episode 4, A New Hope, which they reshoot in any way they wanted. Live action, animated, Lego, AC, whatever, art, anything. They cut them together into a complete retelling of the original Star Wars. The result may be the greatest project Star Wars fans or any fans have ever pulled off. We wish we could embed the whole thing here for you to watch, but the rights still need to be sorted out. As the site reports, we're working through the legal issues in order to bring that to everyone as soon as possible. But here's one scene to stand in for the rest. Star Wars Uncut, scene 113. We talked about this. It's finished. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's a place to watch it, but we'll put this clip in so you can watch it. But talk about... We talked, we talked about this earlier, you know, episodes back when they first started announcing this. Right. And uh, now we're here a year later, and it's done. I'll be curious to see what they come up with. Yeah. Why don't you talk about another fan endeavor in the realm of Star Wars? Uh, I, I saw this from the folks at uh, uh, Geek Blips. Uh, fan made a video show Star Wars as a black exploitation film. Uh, and we'll put, put the link in our show notes, but it basically takes... It's I'll a, bed the film into that. It's, it's kind of in a trailer format, um, but uh, basically taking the Lando Calrissian character and uh, 
just uh, showing him in a little. It's a different actor playing him, but and different actors playing our heroes. But uh, it, it's a cool little uh, short um, from uh, Lando Calrissian's perspective, but done it in a kind of seventies tongue cheek black exploitation uh, way. I thought it was pretty cool. Well, it sounds sounds pretty. Uh fun and i did not get a chance to watch it but you did i did i thought it was great so it's it's funny well worth it so drawing your attention if you're interested in some humor in star wars Mm -hmm. place to go in our third bit of news that's kind of star wars related uh no it's not about celebration five which ended this past week which by the way supposedly was awesome the fan convention that happens like every three or four years our friend matt mather was there and uh he got a picture with uh, mark hamill you can't go wrong with that right we should have him on the show we we should we, we should have him uh Give a report. Yeah, we should. I should prank call him right now. <laughs> but, um, anyways, uh, Hayden Christensen freaks out in the first trailer for Vanishing on 7th Street. Now, basically, here's the deal. We've always loved those movies which the world falls apart and a small band of strangers struggles to survive. Because we think we'd... Because we all think we'd manage to be one of the survivors, right? But the spooky first trailer for Vanishing on 7th Street shows that maybe, maybe we're better off not surviving. Vanishing on 7th Street from director Brad Anderson, uh, The Machinist, stars Hayden Christensen, uh, Thandi Newton, and John Leguizamo. I can't pronounce the last name. But I I like him. I like him as an actor. Here's the official synopsis. A mysterious, seeming global blackout causes countless populations to simply vanish, leaving only their clothes and possessions behind. A small handful of survivors band together in a dimly lit tavern on 7th Street, struggling to combat the apocalyptic horror, realizing they may in fact be the last people on Earth. The darkness hones in on them alone. Interesting. Yeah, so, you know, I watched a trailer of this, but it's good to see him acting again. He did Jumper, of course, I think. Is that his most recent one? That's the only thing I know him in. Yeah, I think he does a lot of independent work. Uh, Jumper was his, might be the last mainstream thing he did. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, worth a shot. A little bit maybe horror and thriller for my taste, but I may rent it. But a little sci-fi element of uh, the post-apocalyptic theme. Yeah, yeah. Talk about post-apocalyptic. Let's get into our DVD news. I just finished watching The Book of Eli. Miles, you need to run and go rent this movie. You're probably right. Uh, It is a movie that is well worth watching on DVD. And I was going back and forth on Twitter with uh, B. Harden, who sent in that other piece of news. And he said, uh, I was talking about how I watched The Book of Eli, and we talked about before how I watched The Road. Right. Now, if I were to choose the two... Bookie V Live. Okay. A little bit more action. It's still slow paced to parts, but I felt the plot's a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Now, they are basically the same story. Right. But there are some really good twists in this. Surprisingly, uh, Denzel Washington's main character, Book of Eli, and, you know, if you get a chance, I don't want to spoil it for you, but he protects this book that's really important that it supposedly have the power. Uh, and it's all about this and uh, some interesting twists that at the end you're like, wow. Kind of blows you away at the end a little bit. So I love the book of Eli and B. Harden said both of them are awesome. He loves talking about the road. Discovery has a show called The Colony that's like Survivor meets Post Apocalypse. I'm loving it so far. And I haven't heard about Colony or really. Right, so thanks for pointing that out. But if you like post-apocalyptic stuff, might be something for you. All right, I'll put that on my Netflix list. But uh, yeah, Book of Eli is definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. And Dazzle Washington, that's just a great He's job. A man. He is a man. Mm-hmm. He is a man. Mm-hmm. Talking about another movie, another DVD, and this isn't necessarily sci-fi. I'm watching Domino. 
Okay. Um, and Domino, it has, um, Mickey Rourke. Okay. Uh, in it as one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Katie, I can't remember her last name. And, hmm. um, and then, um, Brian Austin Green's in it. Okay. Playing Brian Austin Green. Playing Brussels. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, and he, and they're making jokes toward 90210 all the time. It's kind That's of funny. Great. Well, Miles, we got to get it. Keep moving. Let's get into the twist here. Okay. And um, tell us about Star Trek. This week in Star Trek. I want to thank our friend uh, Chris Wood for posting this on Subspace Comms. Thanks, Chris. And uh, he put posted an article of an of interview that Bruce uh, Greenwood, who played uh, Captain Pike in the last Star Trek movie, uh, in regards to him being in the next one, he says, I just want to get out of the wheelchair, says Bruce Greenwood on Captain Pike. We, we've said it once and we'll say it a thousand times. Bruce Greenwood as Captain Pike was simply amazing in Star Trek XI. We would love to see him re- reprise the role as our beleaguered Captain Ahem, Admiral Pike, according to an interview with uh, Collider.com. Bruce would like to see Pike return the upcoming sequel to Star Trek. Not only in the sequel, but Bruce jokingly explained that there should be a whole offshoot of Pike's adventures. Agreed. Yes. We're with you, that uh, Bruce. But put, put put us down for a Hamilton. We'll definitely be on board for that. Bruce also explains that he doesn't know if Pike will return in the next J.J. Uh, verse sequel or whether or not uh, Orsi and Kirsten have ever started the script. The scuttlebutt we've heard at VegasCon was that the script was close to a completion and that the Gorn would make an appearance as a nemesis in the next installment. We can't say where we've heard it or who we've heard it from, but he who works in the industry and he who used to rock a mullet back in the 90s, you make the call. Check out the excerpt from Collider, uh, uh, Bruce uh, Greenwood interviews below. Um, do you know if you're going to be in the next Star Trek? I know that I, I know that I don't know. We know that you're still writing it. Bruce uh, raises his voice, teasing. How do you know that? Maybe not still writing, but they've uh, yet to start writing. You're not going to trap me to saying anything about writing. He laughs. I'm joking. I don't know. I hope so. Questioning, it says, I want to know if Captain Pike is still there. I think Captain Pike is an essential component to the whole franchise. I think there should be a whole offshoot of Pike's adventures. Um, You had plenty of them leading up to his initial appearance on the series so far. There's nothing that says Pike can't get up and out of the wheelchair. Just get his own ship and go off on some adventure of his own. I'm now an admiral. I just, but I just want to get out of the wheelchair. And the question is, is it's the future? They can do that. I know. I had a long conversation that with JJ early on because he wanted the, the hair to go white because the script says the hair goes all white. I said, crying. Do we have to get get so Malcolm McDowell about it? Uh, the whole interview can be read on Collider.com. Yeah, and I, I agree. I love Pike. He, he's one of my favorite characters from the newest movie and I would definitely love to see him in the other movies mm-hmm. um, maybe not maybe as, as key of a role but even that I would love to see him on there but it's almost impossible if he's not going to be on the Enterprise to figure out a way to bring him on the Enterprise well he's you don't a, want to put him in danger again no you can't I mean he's an admiral he could be maybe be Kirk's commanding officer assigning him missions but in the original universe uh uh Pike gets uh, very seriously hurt in an accident where he is in a wheelchair and uh, pretty much um, uh, a quadriplegic and he can't even talk. He's pretty much, the only thing he can do is 
say yes or say no with the with the flashing lights. Right. Um, but this is a new universe. Those circumstances don't have to happen uh, for this Pike to you know maybe be more physically evolved. And right. he, he just brought so much life into that character that I that I, I agree. I hope they take us somewhere. Well, if he is in a wheelchair, he can get they can get Think Geek to design the vest that he wears. That is true. Right, John, to so get on it, talk to JJ, mm-hmm. and we'll get it all sorted out. Right. But, <laughs> We've loved to, if you want to comment on any of the stories we're talking about, feel free to comment on Facebook, send us thoughts on Twitter, email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's it for news. Well, before we go into our interview with Tori Higginson, which we're excited about here tonight, we want to give you our last promo, and this is a promo from DVD Geeks. You want to talk a little bit about what's been happening in DVD Geeks? Right. Um, on one of the recent shows, uh, they had uh, as a guest uh, host uh, Dayton Ward and um, – John and Dayton uh, talk about uh, a lot of the uh, Roger Corman uh, movies that have been released on DVD and uh, um, some of the new shows, some of the, some of the shows that were back in the 80s that are finally being released on DVD. So it was a, it was a good show. Any, anytime Dayton is on, it's going to be a fun show. It's always a great show with him on. Right. Anyways, here's a promo for the DVD geeks. It's the DVD geeks. Real fans with real opinions. Every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central on FearlessRadio.com. FearlessRadio.com. Remember, scene selection is not a special feature. The DVD Geeks on FearlessRadio.com. For more information, point your web browser to DVDGeeks.tv. We have we have an awesome interview tonight with the lady herself. Dr. Weir from Stargate Atlantis. Yep. She's also been on Stone Stonehenge Apocalypse and many other movies that she's done. Mm-hmm. We had a wonderful time with this lady. We did. We, we, we caught up with her, what, what she's been doing, and uh, she talked about her uh, her experiences on uh, doing, doing Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, and uh, her garden. You know, she was just really, she was one of the people who was just really down to earth. Yeah, she was, she was a joy to talk to. Yeah, I even got cussed at. How cool is that? It's very, very cool. <laughs> very cool. I got cussed at because of my iPhone. Yeah, she was jealous of your iPhone. Can't anyway, we can't say that. We can't say that. But uh, no, it was really a wonderful lady. And talk about a person that's just there for the fans. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had just a good time with her at Shore Leave. And uh, I don't think we won't say anything else, but here's the interview that we had with Tori. Intel was correct. The planet has been completely destroyed. Can you detect any trace replicator cells? Negative. They've been completely wiped out. Good. We can finally get to work without having to look over our shoulders. It's time to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're fans of great movies like The English Patient... Great sci-fi shows such as uh, Tech War, The Outer Limits, Stargate, and Stargate Atlantis. Then you'll be delighted to know that we are talking with the lovely Ms. Tori Higginson. Ms. Higginson, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Why, thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for lovely. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> no. um, well, so forgive me for asking this. Are we speaking with the real Tori Higginson or a replicant? Replicant. Oh, okay. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Real life replicant. <laughs> uh, 
Last year we had a chance to meet some of your your, your former fellow castmates. Uh, Christopher Hiredal was here last year. Oh, lovely! Uh, he's talk, adorable, right? He, he's great. Yeah, we, we, we spoke about him. He talked to us for about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> not that we're expecting that much. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> just, uh, he was just um, he was just very laid back. Uh, we talked with Robert Carter last year. Oh, sweet, mm-hmm. nice. And uh, uh, Rachel Latrell and Jason Momoa, and uh, he's a big guy. He's a very big guy, right? And the two of them together are adorable. <laughs> like this little pixie, and he is Conan. And he is Conan, yeah. right? Right, right, right. Which is hilarious. Yeah. Well, the question was, you know, whether Heyerdahl was bigger. And he claimed that he was taller. Oh. So they had a little bit of competition. And who won? I, I think Heyerdahl. He was tall. I would think he's taller. Yeah. He's got that long, lean thing. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Right, right. So. Cool. Uh, well, with Stargate Atlantis, can you tell us uh, what inspiration you drew uh to uh, create your character, Dr. Elizabeth Weir? Um, I mean, it's so funny with series, what happens is it goes so quickly. All of a sudden you get a job, and within three days, and with this job, I was in another city. So I was hired, and literally you had about a week to pack up your life and move to another city, another mm-hmm. country. So it was kind of a strange, usually I like to dive in and do some serious research, find yeah. out, like, you know, what kind of a doctor is she? What is this? And you didn't have any time for that. All of a sudden, you're in Vancouver, and you were working. And also, I was starting to work on SG-1 as well, because they right. had to replace or, you know, introduce Weir with brown hair. Um, so I was shooting the two at the same time. So there was no, yeah, there was no time to do any personal sort of research. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. I spoke to the writers about wanting to see the past Stargates, because I hadn't seen them, and wanting to see the introduction of Dr. Weir. But I was concerned about it, because we're also chameleons. Which the character, right? Yeah. And I thought, I don't want to watch another actor do it, because A, it can make me very insecure, and I could go, oh my God, she's way better than me, I can't do it. Or B, I might steal from her, and I was hired based on my instincts, and I don't want to. So it was great. I talked to Brad about that. And he was lovely. He said, you were based on, hired based on what you did when you walked into that room. So I, if you, you know, I think you should watch it just to get a background, but don't take anything except for what's on the page. Right. So that was cool, and that gave me a little bit. But yeah, it was funny. I didn't do any of the academic research that usually oh. I love to do. I just sort of dove in, and then you sort of started learning through the process. Yeah. Right, right, right. So they gave you a lot of freedom in uh, creating her. Well, I mean, it was kind of so. I'm sweating like a mother in here. Um, oh, sorry, that's you. Anyways, oh. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they they didn't. To me, it was pretty the situation that they put you in, and that was an interesting um, balance, right? Because actors want character-driven pieces, and right. writers like plot-driven pieces. Right. And so there's always that struggle between producers and writers of you know what the purpose is. But the first few episodes, the plot, the story is so extreme. Kind of what research could you do? I mean, really, I, mm. I, I, I don't know anybody that's lived on another, sure. in another universe. Right. There, there's nowhere I could go for that. So you kind of just put yourself in that reality. I mean, there's nothing to, to match it with. So you mm. let your imagination go and dive in. And so, yeah, it wasn't so much character work, but the situation, the stories, and the plot. Then after two or three episodes, and we all settled in and went, oh, now I know who she is. Mm-hmm. Right. So it kind of happened that way. Does cool. that make sense? Right. Well, um, and what you know, and really, what a great story having a female lead, you know, running this base and the whole tension between the military and mm. the tension they're playing with in SGU a little bit. Oh, good. It is a, the whole military civilian control, which is kind of played with in Atlantis, but this is taken maybe to a bigger extreme. Right? Oh, wonderful, which I'm glad they did because right. I think it's a really interesting question. I mean, it goes on in our day to day right mm. now. It's, it's totally social commentary. Absolutely, yeah, right? So. Which is the beauty of sci fi, right? Right, it right. It right. you to do all that stuff. Right, right. And also the beauty of sci fi that they have been forerunners in having women as leaders. I know. Which is so gorgeous. Right, you know? right. Now, you had a chance to 
it was a play, a replicated version of yourself in the show. Uh, did you, was, there, was there a difference for you, how you played the replicated version? I mean, did you draw on some different things for that character? Um, well, again, we were sort of told... It was funny, because I did a show called Tech War years ago, where I was a android, and so I, and I talked to William Shatner about it. It was based on his novels, and I said, well, what do I do to be a robot? He goes, no, no, you're a level 10. Absolutely no difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no difference? He goes, absolutely no difference. I said, but there has to be, because then I come back as a person, and there has to be some. He goes, you're a level 10. <laughs> I just had to keep saying that, I am level 10. Yeah. <laughs> I am level 10. Um, so I kind of thought what it, what it did for her was she was the same except her decision making was less emotional okay and that was kind of it so it gave her a, a bit more freedom was yeah. was it fun playing a you know the replicated version too yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's always fun it's fun sort of having a list too going okay I've done old wear I've done robot wear I've mm-hmm. done <laughs> right. you know you sort of all the different versions <laughs> that is right but it, it was cool to watch that because you're, you're certainly there's almost a little bit of a coldness to wear as a robot, which you don't get um, on the base oh, good. or on Atlantis. At yeah. least that was my my feeling about it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, good. Yeah. That's an idea. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Now, speaking of Stargate Universe, uh, there's rumors that uh, there'll be some uh, characters from Stargate Atlantis making appearances on there. Uh, any chance we look forward to you making a pencil? Well, as I said to a fan yesterday, you guys hear before I do. <laughs> so, truly, you guys know way more than I do. It's okay. amazing. So if you hear, would you mind sending me an email? Uh, me no problem. Um, <laughs> I don't expect to because, you know, I think they killed me seven or eight times. I don't know. Right. But at this point, I'm sort of floating around space, I think. Um, so I, I doubt it. Mm-hmm. But, you know. It's, Maybe they encounter you floating around. I mean, right? You're Maybe. Relative. You can't die. Exactly. Maybe there's a hundred of me. They kind of like a Milky Way, which is made up of replicator weirds just flipping around. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> the Milky Way weird, not impossible. Sci-fi, <laughs> nothing's impossible. Right, right, right. <laughs> what was the uh, atmosphere like on the set of Stargate Atlantis? Was it laid back, a tight ship, or, you know... Well, it's funny. We used to always uh, compare ourselves to the SG-1 crew, and the SG-1 crew just sees, you know, they're laid back and, mm-hmm. you know, partiers and just like hell jokesters. for leather jokesters <laughs> and like everything and we are sort of the anal sort of <laughs> and I think because we came in and we had this franchise that was so successful and mm-hmm. we were f- filming right beside them and there's a little bit of insecurity going we don't want you to hate us are we coming on because there's rumors are we coming on because you're being cancelled is there resentment here mm-hmm. is there so fans going to resent us yeah so there's that sort of a pressure that as well as the success and going are we going to live up to this franchise mm-hmm. So we were all a little bit more anal and narrow and sort of business-like. And, mm-hmm. and those guys, you know, I won't say show up drunk and <laughs> party. They were a much more fun crew, okay. for sure. We were sure. a bit more. And then I think, you know, Jason, when he showed up, he shook us up, which was great. I think the Davids and the Joes and myself were a little bit in our head and would worry too much. And then Jason showed up and went on. Right. Bugger worrying. Ricardo is saying for himself, I mean, comparing his experience with Stargate and with, uh, with Star Trek Voyager was... For him, it was a little more freedom to, if he had a good ad lib, you know, he would have to clear with a bunch of producers on Voyager, whereas on Atlantis, it was, you know, well, I had this idea. It's like, oh, that's, that's good. It was, uh, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I, maybe, maybe it was a really tight ship on, on Star Trek. Uh, yeah. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Did you have a lot of freedom with the script to bring yourself into it? Um... Honestly, you? I'm not going to show anymore. I can be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't feel that much freedom. No, I felt that it was uh, was a, a struggle, and I felt that um, 
Uh, you know, when Brad Brad made his door really available, but then he sort of, during the process of the series, was getting busy in other series and doing the movies, and he sort of disengaged from Atlantis. And when that happened, it was really difficult, I felt, to have mm-hmm. a communication with anybody. Mm-hmm. And I felt that a lot of time, too, when you did suggest it, there's a lot of personal stuff. And I think people were stressed. I think it got to a point that they were kind of working on three series mm-hmm. at once, and mm-hmm. everyone was just exhausted. And like, I don't want to hear another thing. I'm fighting with five writers here, two producers, and I'm <laughs> network, and I don't want to hear an actor tell me something. Last thing you need is an actor coming in. Television right, yeah. Film. So I kind of did start getting that vibe, which surprised me because it didn't mm-hmm. feel like that to begin with. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, stuff happens, and I think they're on their way to the next one. So mm-hmm. it sounds, this next one, too, they've really opened that up, and they have this amazing crew of actors. I met David Blue at a con last year. Um, and the other ones, though, are just so strong and such established mm-hmm. actors that mm-hmm. I think it's great. It's allowing, you know, they're hopefully teaching the producers a little bit of, oh, yeah, give us some freedom, and it's mm-hmm. a bit more. Right, 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 right. Well, and then as we're toward the end of the series, when you become replicant, you kind of disappear for a while. Was that, uh, did you have other things going on, or was that just a script writing decision? I mean, how did that all play out? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that, I don't know. I think that it wasn't my choice. I mean, I think it was, I mean, I, I, you know, I think they knew I was a bit frustrated with what was happening. I felt that they weren't using her to the best of her ability, and I didn't quite know why I was there. It was that discussion about military, and, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, if, if she has no input here, then don't let her be here. Have, have that be the story and write her out, but make it clear. So right. I think they knew I was frustrated, and they didn't quite know what to do with me, so it kind of got a little bit messy, and then... Yeah, and then I took off. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a great episode! That that episode where you become the replicant is phenomenal. It's pretty wild. <laughs> it's pretty wild. They do some good stuff. <laughs> right, right. Are you making uh, some more convention appearances? How many do you usually do a year? I, I only seem to. I seem to do like two or three, maybe. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's slowed down a little bit. I, I might go to New Zealand. I think I was invited to New Zealand, New Zealand in October. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure it's a far trip, though. I've done it before. It's amazing. It is, but uh, come on, New Zealand. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Every actor we talk to has been to New Zealand saying, look, you got to go. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's shocking. Yeah, like I did do one there a few years ago. And, I mean, it's amazing. You think, what an extraordinary, how lucky are we? We get... I mean, this whole convention thing, the first time I did one, I went, I'll never do that again. It's, it completely freaked me out. It was very, I'm a pretty private person, so okay. I just found it sort of, wow. <laughs> yeah, really overwhelming. But then the more I did them, and you sort of had to do them to begin with for, you know, this publicity stuff, and I fell in love with it because I recognized that Hey, how goddamn lucky. Who else gets a weekend where everyone tells them how much they appreciate what they do? Mm-hmm. Like, every job should have that. Every job. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, teachers. And you should have a... Are you a teacher? I am an English teacher. Oh, my teacher. God. I mean, I've always, you know... <laughs> they're the people that should be getting the awards and the appreciations and the... I mean, it... it it surprises me, but it, it's such a lucky thing. And I've been sort of unemployed this past year a fair amount. I've done some theater, but it hasn't been a very lucrative year. Right. So this has been a great weekend, just having all these people come up and tell you how much they appreciate work you've done. And it's, yeah, it's an amazing gift. That on top of flying around the world. And they say, we're going to fly you to New Zealand and tell you that you're great. <laughs> yeah. And pay you a little bit. Really? Okay. I know, I know. Just speaking as a family, seeing you guys, I mean, uh, after a long day at work, we come home and we put in the Stargate or something like that. It helps us to not only unwind. I mean, we I guess we are entertained at the same time. A lot of it's social commentary, so we're still thinking at the same time. Or 
you know, uh, just bringing us, um, sometimes it's cathartic. I mean, if you've seen you guys sometimes struggle through, I mean, a, a situation. Um, and so just appreciate, you know, you guys putting yourself out there. Oh, that's cool. What a cool thing to say. And what a beautiful thing to say, too, about, I hadn't thought about that, about how it's television, so it's allowing you to relax, but it's television that is still making you think. Right. And that's, I mean, that's a big complaint about television. It's on mm -hmm. the whole, it doesn't. It makes people turn their brain off. Mm -hmm. And so if right. something does inspire, it does make you go, oh, what does that mean in our world? Mm -hmm. And that's wonderful. I mean, sometimes, I mean, yeah, there is some television you just turn your brain off, but there's so much just like, it's like reading a book. You got to, you know, yeah. you got to engage it. Yeah. Well, sci-fi, I think, is a little bit more notorious for making you think. Yeah. Like good sci-fi. Completely, right? Because it's a safe environment to do exactly that, to explore religion and politics and things that are really difficult to explore in our sure. world without, you know, getting upset or defensive. And right. here we can explore those really personal things mm -hmm. in a venue, which is safe, because right, right, right. we're talking about another world. Right, yeah. right, right. So that's, it, that's, that's why it's, it, it's, I mean, you're almost therapists for us in a sense. Well, <laughs> there you go. Well, well you're, you guys are therapists for us. <laughs> <laughs> we come here and go, oh yeah, I am okay. Yeah. Yes, thank yes, you. Yes. <laughs> well, what future projects can we look forward to seeing you in? I, I always feel like I should, I, I'm much too transparent. I always feel as an actor, you're supposed to say, oh, I've got these things on the sidelines. i got nothing coming up right now. I'm working on my garden a lot. Well, that's good. To be which I'm very excited about. I love my tomatoes, my mm -hmm. zucchinis. I just figured out potatoes and working on garlic. You know. Well, you, you need to you up in Canada now? No, I live in Los Angeles. Okay, Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. And you have a big garden? I do. I bought this teeny little house about two years ago, and this teeny little house, and the garden's like three times the size of it. So I kind of bought it with that idea going, hmm, I know the economy's funny. I might be unemployed for a while, so I'm going to get a place that I can grow my own food just mm -hmm. in case. <laughs> Getting off the grid. That, that's actually a smart thing to do. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. I think it is. I might get some chickens, too. That's my oh, next okay. oh, Two chickens. I have enough fine. eggs for me and my neighbors. Yeah, that's great. that's great. And then maybe I can do a reality show about it so I can get a job. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Actor goes gardener. I know. Uh, my mom's a big gardener. We have a few tomato plants and some oh, zucchini really? and stuff like that. But that's it for us. And then my mom, of course, when growing up, we had three-fourths of an acre and acre garden. Really? And she was feeding a family of six. So. Oh, my God. Good for her. But it's hard work gardening. It's a lot of work to I keep everything it. up. I hated it growing up. Did you <laughs> I did. You know, yeah. because, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, i got to go out and, you know, weed the garden, you know, pick the potato beetles off or whatever it is right? that you have to do. And Yeah. And it's a chore. It is. It's, it's a chore. But, you know, I, but I've considered, especially with the economy going yeah. back into it, I'm like, well, yeah. I know how to do this. Yeah. And on it. every level, not only the economy, but also the transportation of the food, the oil issue. You think about right. food that's being mm. transported. Like, so, and it Tastes better, so it it's better, and it's cheaper, and it's sure. and there's yeah. just that satisfaction of uh, you, you made this happen, right? right. Mm -hmm. There's something right. magic about that. It's mm -hmm. true. Taking a bite of a tomato, going, oh my god, you know, that was a right, seed. Right. I put that seed in the ground. Right, right. <laughs> Kept it watered, you weeded it, and you yeah, to see your work in the. Yeah. Right, and that's the other thing I think is tangible. Because I was talking about that as an actor. What we do is very untangible. It's mm -hmm. very. Um, you know, and I used to do a lot of theater. I just actually finished a play a little while ago. I did a Much Ado But Nothing, which was great. I had mm -hmm. been Shakespeare for a while. And I was amazed the number of sci-fi fans that flew out to L.A. to see it. Oh, great. It blew my heart five <laughs> sizes bigger. I couldn't believe it. And people that had never seen a play before and never seen Shakespeare before. Mm -hmm. Really, really beautiful. Um, yeah, what was I saying? <laughs> no, playing Much Ado About Nothing. But, but oh, I'm not sure why... It Oh, yeah, I can't remember. There's a connection about the garden, but I lost it. <laughs> That's all right. Coffee hasn't kicked in. Well, you, I mean, you're enjoying, you know, doing lots of live theater, I mean, on the side, I mean. 
Yeah, that's my next. You know, I'd love to do that a bit more of that next year. It mm-hmm. was a really great reminder of mm-hmm. um, of the muscles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with us a little bit. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Tori Higginson. Wow. Amazing lady. Amazing lady. Love to meet that lady again. Just a great lady. But uh, before we go here, we have to give you our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. You know, this is is a part of the show that we first started introducing it. Wasn't sure how well it would go, but a lot of people have gotten behind it, loved it. We've had guests do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have people writing in tonight and this are are writing in and uh, calling in and doing it. But this is from uh, one of our listeners, from a listener named Raduz. I think it's Dues is the way his name is. He's from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And this is his top five love to hate 360 turnarounds. So these are the original shows that he had high hopes for, but have faded away as autumn leaves tend to go. So he loved them and ended up hating them. And Miles, let's start with number five. All right. It almost pains me to read this. (laughs) I know. I know. We're pulling teeth here, but go ahead. But I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I never watched Star Trek, the original series, as a kid, as I was born after its run ended. However, I have watched all the Kirk-era movies and really enjoyed them, especially the one with the whales. But seriously, the movies are... We were just talking about that one. Yes. Yeah, Voyage Home. But seriously, the movies are mostly pretty darn good, if not great. So I was thinking, what the heck? No matter how cheesy the original series might look, like they must have been worth watching it in order to get back... Get the backstory right. I tried. I swear, I really tried to watch the series without prejudice three times. It was a no-go for me each time. No matter how much I loved all things Star Trek, I just couldn't stomach the cheesiness and the amateurism of the production. I could appreciate how much these things looked eye-popping in the 60s and 70s, but I'd rather read the transcripts than watch. So the bottom line is that my Star Trek experience starts with the first motion picture, and I don't think it's going to go ever going to change. Yeah, and I would say that that's probably closer to my experience. I've watched a few of the original episodes, but it's not something that I'm looking to go back to. I think there's a sense of growing up with it that really makes an impact. Yeah, I was a child when I watched it. I mean, uh, yeah, and you you could accept cheese a little bit easier as a child. I think that that, that, that there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. That. Uh, number four it was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The hype surrounding Buffy was so high that I had no choice but gave it the famous series a chance. I was quite captivated at first, breezing through the first season quite fast. Boy, did things get repetitive and old in the second and third seasons. Girl, boy, high school, shenanigans, vampire kill, repeat. I even skipped ahead to the fourth and fifth seasons only to find the same old, same old. Perhaps they did not give it a fair chance, but more than likely, this one was not made to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. And, hey, you know, sci-fi shows are out there. You don't have to like all of them. There, there's plenty to choose from. And there's plenty of preferences that we have, and that's why there's a variety of it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about uh, number three, and this one we paid me to read. But, Miles, it's on your your, your plate. So I'll, I'll, feel the, I'll, t- I'll take the pain. You'll take the pain. <laughs> uh, I was really, really excited about watching the first miniseries of the new Battlestar Galactica series. Dark, gritty, full of wonderful storylines and awesome battle sequences. I was expecting the same from the follow-up series. It started pretty good with plot and character developments that made sense and were quite interesting. Things got really frustrating and boring for me when they brought uh, Richard Hatch back and the writer started slowly but steadily turning a sci-fi show into a law and order type political drama. Presidents, parliaments, meetings, trials, constant bickering and arguing at roundtables. I just wish Adam Adama flushed them all out the airlock. I have to say 
here, but I really like the ending of the show. Still, the bitterness and hours wasted by trying to fast forward to some interesting is real. Yeah, and there was there was some of that that went on. There was some of that. I mean, I there were some episodes you walked away saying, eh, I just wish there was more Cylon or something like that. Well, but overall, I mean, this is one of the things I liked is they dealt with some real heart issues. Right, and I, to me, it, it, was, it was a growing up experience watching this. I mean, in the 70s, it was mostly just the Colonials versus the Cylons. How do the Colonials outsmart the Cylons this week? Um, now, granted, this was the 70s. It was... It was Kind of made to be family friendly. This one, you know, it explored all aspects of just, yeah. you know, just a handful of humans trying to survive and uh, evade the Cylons. And, it, you know, it wasn't just about the military. It was about life all over the ships. Right. And so, I don't know. I, I liked exploring that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and he's entitled to putting it here. And uh, mm-hmm. there's certainly people that haven't been really excited about it. Uh, number two, his number two show that they loved and ended up hating was Heroes. And we've we've dogged in this show forever. And it, I would probably I would agree with him in this show. Mm-hmm. Time travel, superheroes, supervillains, super events. How can you go wrong with these? Hmm. Easily, I guess, if you lose your focus or try to do too many super things without staying true to what the show was originally intended to be. I wish he had just picked up one or two storylines and followed them. So do we all. Um, so say we all. Uh, I lost interest with the constant jumping between dozens of characters and storylines. And that was one of the things that we commented on. We should really just kill off some characters. Short, short and second season, the awfully long layer between the second and third seasons did not help. I enjoyed the first season very much, but did not have the will to finish the third at all. Too bad. It could have been so much more. Yeah, agreed. I, I, agreed. I agree. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And uh, one of the shows that we both love kind of made number one, Miles, and that was Stargate Universe. Well, now I haven't watched the first Stargate and Stargate Atlantis, so maybe. Maybe I feel differently because um, I really like uh, SGU, but this is what he has to say. First, I have to say I am an avid Stargate Atlantis and uh, um, SG-1. A, a SG-1 fan. I got on board after, after watching the, the whole SGA series and following it up by 10 wonderful seasons of, of SG-1. At first, I was very sad when uh, SGA got canceled. Then I got super excited about this new Stargate series, dismissing all the negative hype surrounding its launch. Boy, were the naysayers right. Out of the 20 uh, episodes by one, sticks out as Stargate franchise-worthy for me. It's called Time, and it has all the elements that I liked so much in the SGA and the SG-1 series. Time travel, mystery, strange environment, gate travel, suspense. I don't care for the whole hopelessly lost on an ancient ship trying to kill each other while screwing around with the communication stones premise at all. They might have been stuck in the underground bunker for, for all I care. Except for uh, Robert Carlyle as Nicholas Rush and, and Brian J. Smith as Lieutenant Scott, I don't care for the cast or stories much at all. I'll keep watching only because a SGA-SDU crossover has just been announced. Good for them. I'm pretty much done with the show. Yeah. So a uh, pretty uh, scathing uh Feeling of it, but let me come to his defense. If you watch Stargate Atlantis and Stargate, uh, Stargate SG One, and you expect the show Stargate Universe to follow the same premise and the same style of writing and so on, you are going to be disappointed mm-hmm. because it is a darker, most more soap opera, more Battlestar Galactica show. It's no accident that he has Battlestar Galactica, the new one, and Stargate Universe here on the same list. Because if he doesn't like Battlestar Galactica, there's absolutely no way that Stargate Universe is going to yeah. tantalize him. And 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 there are things, there is a quirkiness to the SG-1 and the Atlantis 
shows that made them fun to watch. Right. And uh, our friend Kevin Batchelder even said he he, he called uh, SGU. Yeah, he's not a fan of SGU either. He called it Battlestar Universe or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, maybe that's why I like uh, SGU is because it, it does have – a lot of elements that I liked about uh, Galactica was it was a strong character-driven show. And I think Kevin's thought was it's too much of a knockoff. That's mm-hmm. why he, because he liked Battlestar. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But uh, uh, Radoz, thank you so much, Radoz. I'm, I'm probably pronouncing your name wrong. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, thank you for sitting, uh, submitting this list. And we look forward to your next list. He's another list where he does the ten, the five shows that he hated. And then ended up loving that. Now that'll be interesting. So that's a, he kind of flips it around on his head. And, uh, so we actually started maybe with one that's a little bit more negative, uh, but we'll play the other one. And maybe you meant for me to read them in a different order than I did, but, uh, Hey, we love to hear people that don't agree with us and that like different shows and, um, looking forward to seeing the shows that you do like when we, uh, read them in the upcoming week. Uh, Appreciate your contribution. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and you have some valid valid points here. You do have some valid criticisms, I guess. So we're all going to for, we're all going to forgive some things in the in the shows that we like, and other things we're not going to forgive. And some of us uh, won't be able to get past those, and others will. Right. So, so and uh, we're good. But thank you so much for contributing. And if you want to send us your sci-fi five and five, and it can be again any topic you want. If you've been listening to the show and listened to the sci-fi five and five. The topics range from all sorts of things. You can send them in. You can email them to us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. You can call them in at 1-888-508-4343. Heck, if you want to attach an audio file to that email, we'll take them that way as well. Yes, we will. Um, put it in an MP3 format and share your sci-fi five and five. Mm-hmm. We always love getting them. Yes. Um, so those are some of the, inf- those are some of the ways you can get a hold of us, Miles, but there are other ways that they can also get a hold of us. How are some other ways you can interact with us? Uh, I am on Twitter, uh, Son of Wharf at Twitter. Also, uh, I'm on Trek Space, uh, Son of Wharf at Trek Space. Yeah, and you kind of are maintaining our uh, Facebook fan page, right? Sure. I uh, encourage our listeners uh, to, to uh, join us. Two more. Us. Two more. We just need two more to get our 100 fans on there. Yep. But um, but that, that's a good place to, to discuss what we're what we're watching and uh, what we like and uh, you know let let you let you guys know what's going on. Yeah, I'm going to try and be a bit better of of actually posting questions and some of the stories in there. Maybe we can get some more response. So, so uh, but uh, thank you so much, those of you that are part of our Facebook fan page. We appreciate. All you listeners out there, both those of you who have given us reviews on iTunes, those of you have contributed to our discussions on Twitter and then on Facebook as well, um, we love hearing from you guys. We really yes. do. And uh, it makes the show exciting and more interactive, and we love often addressing listener questions. So if you have any questions, be sure to let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, of course, a website, SciFiDinerPodcast.com, and that will have trailers that we talk about in the show, video clips, pictures, and some other information that we never really get to put in the show. That mm-hmm. it's like, like in last week's episode, there was a whole segment we cut out that left the information in the show notes. So you could have gone and, and read through that if you wanted to. And so. That was an interesting conversation we had, the three of us were having. It was, and we just unfortunately just couldn't air it just, because of time and yeah. so on. But, but uh, yeah, so uh, is there anything else I'm failing to mention here? I believe we hit most everything. Just uh, um, next 
we're, I think next week we're going to talk about um, the fall lineup of shows that we're uh, looking forward to seeing. Maybe on Facebook, uh, let us know what you're what, what you looking forward to seeing. Yeah, or Twitter. But yeah, let us know what you are looking forward to returning this fall. Yes. We want to hear from you. Yes. We definitely want to hear from you. And that should be good. Should well, be. Miles, I believe that's it. Well, all right. Until then, good night and good luck. We'll see you.